0: Hi there, Pastor Austin Vondrachek here. Thank you for joining us at Rosewood Church Online. My prayer for you is that this message will be used by God to bless, teach, and challenge you today. And whether you call Rosewood home and are catching up on a past message, or you're one of our many long-distance partners who tune in every week, would you consider giving back to support the ministries and missions of Rosewood Church? You can do so easily through our website, rosewoodchurch.org. And if you're listening and you're local to the West Michigan area, we would love to have you in person when the time is right for you. Again, I pray this blesses you and helps you grow in your love of Jesus Christ. Good morning, good good to see all you here. Uh, My name's Austin, and uh, we are here at Rosewood, we're in a series called Shadows, looking at kind of the shadow of suffering that's bearing down upon uh, the churches that Peter was writing to. Um, Though just to, this just selfishly here, just to save my own breath and to save save, um, many questions, Um, no, our twins are not here, Uh, (laughs) you won't see me when they are. Um, I have my phone on me. Um, so if I get a call, if Leah calls me, she knows what I'm doing. So, you know, if I get a call, I'm, I'm answering. Uh, but uh, no, we are waiting. Uh, this today is 35 weeks. We are looking forward to 36 at a bare minimum, though if something happens, something happens. So that's where we're at. That's where half of my head is at. But uh, let's get into where, where we actually left off in First Peter. Last week we looked at the, the first half of chapter 2, uh, where Peter talks, t- tells the churches about, you know, you are in this, this time where you are, you are home away from home. Your home is in heaven, your heart is in heaven, but your feet are here on earth. You are home away from home, uh, and as, um, as you are home away from home, you are being built into a spiritual house, he said. We are, we are living stones being built into a house, built into a church, and you're not a living stone. There's no singular no singular Living stones, other than Christ Himself, it is that we are as a as a whole together living stones. And and uh, as we experience challenging times, whether that be you know external pressures and, and challenges, or just our own personal struggles, uh, part of being home away from home and being built into this into this spiritual home here uh, is that we have one another to encourage one another, to spur one another on, um, and, uh, and and so so reminding them, like, hey, remember, you've got each other. Uh, no matter what you go through, you've got each other. And there's going to be other people looking for what you have. Be hospitable to them. Uh, greet them with open arms. This week, uh, we are going to start by, by rereading uh, the verses that we left off on last week, verses 11 uh, and 12, uh, because 11 and 12 are important transition point. And we'll, we'll talk about that here in just a minute. But let me repeat what we read last week. It says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, there's that language, abstain from sinful desires which w- wage war against your soul, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So these, these verses, 11 and 12, they're kind of like one of those kitchen doors that swing both ways, okay? So, so last week, we looked at, at 11 and 12, and we swung the door uh, towards that which came before 11 and 12. Uh, this week, we're going to swing the door, uh, we're going to swing the door the other way. And, and, and when we swing the door the other way to the verses that we'll read in a little bit, we find that Peter is going to address something that we all really love to talk about, which is politics, baby, All right, but not politics in the way that like your aunt on Facebook talks about politics. Uh, He looks at it more, it's more, I think it it may be a little more appropriate to say, how do we engage in society when maybe we don't agree with everything that happens in society and politics being one arm of that? Um, So, you know, for, for, as, as foreigners then, uh, 11 and 12 versus 11 and 12 as, as foreigners, um, Peter kind of keeps up this same language, and he will continue to through the rest of the book of, of, look, kill him with kindness, right? Like, people are going to say things to you, they're going to treat you in certain ways. but kill them with kindness, continue to love, continue to do the hard work of caring for people who are different from you, who, who make you uh, make you their enemies. And, and he says, live such good lives that any accusations that people make against you will bounce off of your good deeds. Um, because the things that they believe, that Christians believe in that time is going to lead them towards social marginalization and eventually criminalization, and eventually execution because uh, of their, because of their faith they may very well be some of the people who are, are hearing Peter's letter be read in the churches and um they may very well be found guilty of being a Christian in their lifetime, or, or some kind of, some connected feature uh, they may be, be found guilty of in their lifetime, and that's a hard reality, and, and Peter doesn't sugarcoat it, but he says, look, double down on acts of goodwill and, good na- and, and have a good nature uh, to create this dichotomy of experience among the people who uh, have an issue with you. Basically, if society, here, here's what he wants them to, to, to kind of project, and And to put people in this position to say, okay, if society calls you evil and all that they see you doing is good, which one's true? Put them in a hard position. If society calls you evil, yet all that you see, all that they see are doing good, put him in that position. It's a hard place to be. And and Peter is both loving and shrewd in his advice. He says, let your outer behavior confirm your inner faith. So continue to be eager to do good deeds, as we talked about last week, eager to do good deeds, um, and and continue to hold your own personal, your, your personal religious convictions. Don't compromise on those, but continue to do good. And he wants them to put the secular powers in a bind where they're not sure what's true and what's not true. And so Peter's advice to these churches really kind of, I, I think, mimics the, the language or the, the lesson that Jesus taught Peter um, so long before while Jesus was alive. Uh, Jesus told, told Peter, he said, every, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. My father-in-law was a biology major. Um, while he didn't go to work using his biology major, um, it, the, the things that he learned is still like a passion project for him. And, and he loves the outdoors. And, and not just like enjoying being around them, but like academically knowing them. So like, for instance, any tree in the Midwest, uh, my father-in-law can identify. He he knows, he knows all of them. And not just like looking at like the leaves and the seeds, like is how most of us probably identify trees. But he can... Like, if you give him just like a slice of a tree, he can look at it and be like, I know exactly what that is. It, which is crazy to me because, like, right now in the winter, there's no leaves on the trees, so everything's a tree. Like, to me, it's just, what is this? It's a tree. It's a tree. It's a, they're all trees. Um, I'm like, if you want to know if a tree is big or small, I can, I'm your man. Uh, I can <laughs> identify trees by big and small. But, like, beyond that, like, if I don't have leaves to, to go off of, I don't have anything, but my father-in-law he can just like look at the rings of a tree and, and know exactly the species of tree. And, and, and the way that God looks at us is kind of like my father-in-law and how he looks at at trees. God knows our hearts. There's nothing that we can can hide from Him. He knows who we are. We can try to we can try to clean up and change our outer appearance, but and we can try to try to um, hide our motives, but we can't hide those things uh, from God. Of course, you know we don't have this. Perspective. Um, we, we don't have this perspective. Of people, God knows you better than you know you, and God knows the people around you better than you know the people around you. And, um, and but we don't have that perspective. All that you and I have to go off of when we meet someone or, or, or you know evaluate someone in our minds, all we can go off of is what we see or what we hear. And so what what he's saying is is just like how. A maple leaf identifies a maple tree, and just like how an acorn identifies an acorn tree, (laughs) so your acts of goodwill, kindness, righteousness, patience, self-control, peace, when people see these fruits, when people see these th- when they see you and they hear you doing and projecting these things, they will know what you believe. They will know that you are a Christian because right or wrong, correct or incorrect, non-Christians will rely on the experience of Christians to judge the legitimacy of Christ. People will look at what you do and they'll listen to what you say to judge the legitimacy of Christ. Now this is, technically this is incorrect, like this is a fallacy. It's called a non-secular fallacy because, uh, uh, or non-sequitur fallacy, Um, because just because a Christian is not acting like a Christian, like you catch them because we all, you know, none of us are perfect, so people are going to catch you when you don't exhibit the values of of Christ. Uh, But just because someone sees you not exhibiting the values of, of Christ um, does not mean that Jesus isn't real, that Jesus didn't come to earth and dwell with us, that he didn't uh, die, he didn't, he didn't resurrect. Uh, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean any of that logically, okay? But that doesn't matter because the truth is that non-Christians are still going to rely on their experiences of Christians to judge the legitimacy of Christ. And so again, Peter's main point is that they should live such good lives in the face of persecution and challenging and challenges um, to make their aggressors second-guess what they think they know about them, and in doing so, display the work of the Spirit for a larger redemptive purpose, not just for saving their own butts, but to, to actually display the goodness of God even in the most challenging times. And so with that, let's swing that kitchen door forward, okay, towards the topic that we're all supposed to bring up at dinner. He says, and starting in verse 13, Peter says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. So there's that main point again. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. Now when it comes to engaging with, with um with society, especially from a political kind of point of view, Um, every Christian will find themselves somewhat on a spectrum between two extremes. And even within those extremes, there are many different checkpoints, but sometimes it's just helpful to identify uh, the two furthest extremes. So the two furthest extremes, there's also lots of different language to, to describe it, but basically you've got one side where you can separate completely from society. And then the other side where you can extend Christian society, Society into secular society so so if, if se- separating from society is kind of like let 's build walls right let 's build walls between us and and them right and if that helps protect us from them and it helps Uh, keep us in line or control, depending on the nature of that community. But but regardless, separate. Extending Christian society is basically to, to, instead of building walls, taking the walls down completely and trying to, and this would be the furthest, furthest extreme here, to force a Christian subculture to become the dominant culture, even if those in the culture do not all believe in the foundation of the subculture—they do not all believe in Christ. So these are the two, the two extremes. Now Peter's viewpoint is more moderate, and it's come to be identified. It has like its own, its own title to what Peter is advocating for. He's adic- advocating for something called the sectarian approach uh, to life, and it's really a blend of these two extremes. So the sectarian approach. Um, adopts the nonconformity stamps of those who wish to separate from society, but rejects the actual like physical you know separation from society. Uh, and then it, it also accepts or, or takes with it fr- uh, or takes from the extend Christian society. It, it has that evangelistic edge which is missing on the first one. Um, but it rejects trying to impose Christian values on, on non-Christians. And so if you were to, I guess, use a little bit more religious language instead of saying sectarian approach, um, what you could say is that the church should focus on being a spiritual community internally, which is hold strong to convictions. You you don't have to conform. You don't have to, 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 compromise what you believe. Uh, that declare the virtues of God externally. Key word there, declare, declare. Not force upon, but declare, declare. Not to be ashamed, to be proud, to be, to be um, glad of what you believe, and, and to even be excited to tell people of what you believe, but it's declaring, not forcing. And there, there has to be something in the middle, because both extremes really, they have some serious disadvantages. If you were to completely adopt one or the other, if if you are to, if Christians separate from society, basically it's like this modern monastic movement, uh, where where you find yourself isolated or or insulated from, probably the better word, insulated from. Uh, the people that God has called us to love and to serve. Um, Jesus, came, he gave his life for the world, not the clean and the pretty parts, not just for, for people who would believe, but he gave the world, he gave himself to the whole world. He died for, for all of us. and And what we can do in this modern era is, is we can completely insulate ourselves from the people that God has, has called us to love. I mean, think about you, your whole life can be set up to insulate you from people who are different from you and people who believe different things from you. You can, if you so choose, you, you could live in a place where everyone kind of thinks the same way. That's pretty hard, but, but you can live in a place where everyone, you know, you can go to a church and have, and have all your friends be Christian and, and any friends outside of the church, you kind of, you vet them and you make sure that they, they believe in the same things you do and, and are, are, Christians as well. Uh, You can go on Christian vacations. There's a whole Christian vacation industry. So you can go and do things with only Christians and go to camps and do all that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, You can send your kids to Christian school to make sure that they, they don't necessarily, you know, blend with, with some one who believes differently from them. You can listen to Christian music. You can watch only Christian media. There are so many Christian subcultures that you can isolate yourself. And I am not saying that any one of those is wrong. Not at all. Rather, I'm just asking you to take inventory to say, have, have we through all of these different avenues and these subcultures, sometimes unknowingly insulated ourselves from the people that God loves and from the people that God has called us to love. Could that be the case? Absolutely. It's the modern monastic movement. So that's, that's one. What about the other one? You can try to, try to extend Christian society into secular society. It's this idea that, that we can have a, um, that if we get the rules right or the laws right in a community or a state or a nation, If we can have all of the laws and rules be 100% reflective of the values in Scripture, well, then we will have a holy community or a holy state or a holy nation. Thing is, that only works if you believe in salvation by works. We don't. We believe in salvation by grace because you can know all the laws. You can follow all the laws. It doesn't mean that you know and follow Christ. Christ. You can, so, so you can impose laws, but imposing those laws and following those laws does not mean that you're a Christian. Now, granted, there are, there's plenty of wisdom from Scripture that, that I hope would inform laws in a community. There, are, there are, are, are things that are considered just universally good that are a part of Scripture that make their way into almost every code of law in the world. But if we think that if we get the laws right— That all the people will be right with God, that's salvation by works. You don't need Jesus in that because the law has become your Savior. So you don't need that. You don't need Jesus in a, in a place, in a place like that. So both extremes, while they have their merits that Peter would certainly acknowledge and I would acknowledge, they also have their shortcomings. So if we have to, so, so if we have to assign one or the other, we're just not going to be quite right. And so, so Peter again, and most people find themselves somewhere in the middle. And Peter is writing to Christians who are in a pluralistic, uh, region with far less Christian influence in politics than than we have today. And and his advice to them when you're in this position, don't separate and don't dominate. Continue to be eager to do good. And do not compromise on the things that you believe. So now let's be a little bit more explicit about life today. So here's a a reality check that probably everybody, everybody should know at this point the church no longer has the kind of social influence that it once enjoyed. Um, There were times in the past where um, state, government, community laws would kind of double-check themselves off of the church and and scripture, just to, whether formally or informally, just to make sure that things are, you know, kind of jiving right. That's not how it was in Peter's day, and that's not how it is today. And so often I think when when I hear messages or read books or or talk to people about topics like this, just like the, the fear and anxiety level just gets so high. Like, like, there's fear that, that, that something is going to happen that, that's out of their control, and there's this sense of implied threat that we have to act, and usually we have to act very very dramatic, and, and I, I get it, I get it. One way of, of bringing people around a cause is to give them something to be against, you know, so I, I, I get that conceptually, but I also don't think there's a reason to freak out. I don't think there's a reason to be overly concerned or fearful or defensive, and here's why. Because life may become more complicated uh, as social trends continue as they do. I'll acknowledge that. They may be, it's, life may become more complicated as a Christian as you balance or, or, or continue to hold to your beliefs and yet see or hear of laws that you don't agree with based upon your, your convictions, but no law can take or make what you believe, unless you let it. No law that any authority makes over you can take what you believe, can take your faith from you, and also no law can make faith, no law can make you righteous, because righteousness doesn't come by, by following all the rules, it comes only through Christ, so no law can take or make what you believe. You can't legislate faith into a community. You can't legislate faith out of a community. Peter is imploring you to live holy lives in the midst of secular chaos and let God take care of the final results. Don't separate. Don't isolate. But let your good deeds and your goodwill be on show so the people who hate you, they may hate you for what you believe but they will love you for what you do. Now, There's a little word that we skipped this whole time, um, that we skipped in in Peter's encouragement to these Christians and to Christians today, to us today. Uh, It's the the very first word of verse 13 that that we read, and the, the word that we skipped, or at least I skipped over, and I'll tell you why I think a lot of people skip over it, but the word is submit, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, to the emperor, to the governor. So you may think it's hard just to to bring it to this present day. Like you may think it's hard to apply this. You may think it's hard to submit to the emperor. Yeah, let's go. You may think it's hard to submit to the president and the administration today. You may have thought it was hard to submit to the president and the administration before. But I can assure you that the people Peter's writing to And Peter himself, they had a much harder job submitting to the authorities than you ever have. So long as you've lived in this country, it is so much harder for them than it ever is or has been for you. See, their emperor is Nero. We've talked about him a little bit in this series. Nero is a psychopath, set his capital on fire, blamed the Christians, and now this ripple effect of persecution is moving out from the center towards these, these churches. He is certifiably insane. He's evil. And Peter just said, submit. Oh, Many Christians, I, I think that, um, I, I think for many Christians, the, the discipline of submission is, is all but lost. And there's there's reasons for that. Uh, one of it is that we've warped submission to to be something, um, to be something that it's not, to the point where we actually a lot of us have this religious pride that we uh, that we refuse to submit. We elevate defiance over over submission, and then we get really really proud of it. And and I think part of that is because we have warped submission to be the same as losing, right? When you know you've lost, then you submit. Submission is always like, for, for some of us, submission is the last thing that you'd ever want to do. It's the, it's the white flag. It's the losing white flag, right? If that's true, if submission is losing, Jesus was a loser because Jesus lived in submission to his father, he served in submission with his followers he lived in submission to his enemies he he allowed himself to be arrested by a mob through submission he submitted himself to the biased authorities that held him trial and he submitted himself to the point of death on a cross the way of the cross is a way of submission it is voluntary submission that was modeled to us first by the life and death of Jesus. The way of the cross totally reforms our instincts on how to treat those who are hardest to love, and to those who um, who don't love you, who call you their enemy. So I think the question is like, are you bold enough to to submit? Are you strong enough to submit? Because I don't know about you, but defiance comes really easily, at least to me. You don't need the Holy Spirit to be defiant, not at all. You need the Holy Spirit to engage in submission. See, defiance takes care of itself, doesn't it? Like, like original sin, original sin takes care of, of being defiant. Being defiant is easy. Being defiant is childish. My children are defiant to me all the time. Being defiant is childish. Are you strong enough... To pray that the Holy Spirit would help you to live the model of submission that Jesus that Jesus modeled on the way to the cross. Are you strong enough? Are you brave enough to ask that God would help you to be that way? Defiance is easy, submission is hard. And whereas political revolution always was and always is uh, uh, still thought of as a, the raising of weapons against the authorities, Jesus, re- Jesus is the most revolutionary. He, he revolutionizes the revolution by, by, by submitting and calling us to do the same. The Apostle Paul said in Romans, he said, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established In other words, you may not know why a person's in power and you may not like it, but God knows why they are in power. And as long as obedience to them does not require that you stray from your convictions, hold strong to your convictions, but as long as they do not require you to stray from your convictions and contradict the commands of Scripture, he says, submit to them. Christ calls us to live as citizens of a new order and a new kingdom. And a fundamental feature of that kingdom is displayed by the king himself and its submission. And all this helps to further Peter's goal that we've talk, been talking about this whole time and, and we'll, we'll continue in this section. That as religious foreigners, we shouldn't, that they shouldn't give the Roman authorities more of a reason, uh, more of a reason to, to hate them. Um, let them struggle with hating you while you go out and focus on doing good and let them kind of try to figure out why those don't line up. Every year we become more and more like the churches that Peter is writing to. Now, granted, we are not in the same place that these churches, that these churches are. It is, it is apples to oranges um, from today to back then in that area, okay? But I think we can relate at the very least to the trends where, where the church, where, where Christians kind of have, we have less... Um, less uh, uh, social privilege, uh, less moral influence. There is definitely a sense of of less control. But rather than being scared and acting out, Jesus and Peter call us to courageously choose submission as a way to the cross for the sake of those who are far from God. And the opportunity that that Peter is showing the churches 2,000 years ago in the Mediterranean region are the same opportunities afforded to us today. That as the the church grew, we got to remember like some of these these times that Peter is writing in and these communities that Peter is writing to, the church explodes, even though every single other metric, you would think that they would decline. You'd think that after all the pressure that the, the church would have never made it out of the first century. And yet you see it growing and becoming emboldened even when they are so perpendicular to the society around them. So that's why I'm like, why, why are we freaking out sometimes? Because scripture, the Testament of scripture over and over again shows that the church is not dead, that God is not dead, that the church will continue on. Yes, you may have some challenging tensions that you have to live with. They had it worse. I can tell you that, but they held strong to their convictions And they held strong to doing good in the face of the evil that was perpetrated against them. And they were courageous enough to live by the Spirit through a posture of submission. There's a lot that we can learn from them. And I pray that we do. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that God. if you did not model submission to us, we could not be here. Where would we be without your submission? your submission to death. God, you you were mocked on the cross. Why don't you send send a legion of angels to to get you down from there? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? The, The most ironic statements in all of history. Because God, you could have. But Jesus, it wasn't the nails that kept you fastened there. It was your love, your love for us. And so Jesus thank you that you have modeled the way of the cross to us that we can follow in your path but God it is so hard it is hard to live in submission to live in submission to you to live in to submission of, of of authorities around us yet you call us to do that but you don't just tell us you show us Jesus I pray for your spirit that we would be able to live as you've called us to live God, we don't need your spirit to be defiant, but we do to to live in submission. Help us to do this, God. And in so doing, help to demonstrate the redemptive truth of your gospel to the people around us. Help us through submission to preach to ourselves, to preach to our community of believers, and to preach to all of those who haven't heard your word and made that faith commitment. Jesus, live within us through your spirit. Guide us and help us to do that which we cannot do on our own. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for making Rosewood a part of your day. Now go in peace to love and serve the Lord.